0: Please be seated. Not far far from the Sea of Galilee is Mount Tabor, which is an interesting um, geological um, uh, feature of this part of the Holy Land. It's a raised plateau about 1,800 feet above the rolling hills that surround it. It's the alleged site of the Transfiguration, the story from the gospel we just heard. And if you make your way up, if you make your way up to the top of this plateau, it's about the size of about five football fields on the top. It's not very big. There's a large basilica that is cared for by an order of monks. And if you go into this basilica, you find that there are three chapels one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. They didn't actually listen to the lesson. So a couple, um, a couple summers ago, my family um, was traveling around uh, national parks in the southwest. And we visited Chaco Canyon National Historical Park in New Mexico. Has anyone ever been there? A few people, a few people there. The choir's been there. <laughs> so it's an amazing national park. And the only way to get there is to drive on dirt, uh, washboard dirt roads for about 20, about 20 miles. And, um, and the park, it's in a canyon. It's in a canyon that's about eight miles um, the long ways and about two miles the short way. And, um, and the park preserves the ruins from the Chacoan culture, which was at its peak between 900 and 1300 AD. And there in the park, um, the, the Chacoan people had built these enormous structures, these enormous kivas, some of them round, some in various shapes, and um, with very elaborate architectural features. And what's amazing is that um, it was a pilgrimage site. Not many people lived in the canyon year-round. And all of, these, um, all of these structures throughout the canyon, they, um, they're in perfect alignment with the solar and astrological features of that area. So that there's, um, there's a building that is on one side of the canyon, that then is lined up with a building that's several miles away on the other end of the canyon so that on a certain day when the sun rises, the corner of the two buildings will be in perfect alignment with the sun and even so much so that there's sometimes a small window that a, at some point in that day, the sun will shine down through that window and cast light in a, in a little um, shelf in the other side of the building. So miles apart, these structures were built in order to follow the sun, in order to follow the stars. And so on our first day there, I asked a ranger who'd worked in the park for over 30 years. He dedicated his entire career to serving this park. What was his favorite part? What was the part of the park that he found most amazing? And he said to me, just wait. It's the night. And so that night, at about 11 o'clock, I got out of our tent, and I looked up and saw the most amazing sky I'd ever seen. The black of the sky was a deep, thick black. And the stars, millions of stars, Various sizes and colors. I could see each one in its, in its amazing, amazing way that it was particularly different. And all of them awash through the sky. I could see the entire Milky Way. I'd seen pictures of it, never actually had seen it. The entire Milky Way up there in the sky like a ribbon that had been spilled on the night sky. There was no light pollution there. There was also some other things, there was low humidity that made this amazing sky just black and thick with stars. And the next day I was talking to that ranger again, and he said, you know, that sky you saw, that's what all humanity saw every night for most of our history. It's only been in the last 150 years or so that we've moved to cities and we've had artificial light and we couldn't see it anymore. That was the sky that grounded humanity's reality, that helped us understand who we are, how we're connected to creation and the cosmos. People ordered their lives, they told fortunes, they made decisions based on those stars in the sky. For me, seeing that sky, I understood something about myself, about how I am as a unique person in the great cosmos of creation, how I'm an individual, yet part of something that's miraculous and enormous. I understood something about the nature of God, about God who created me, who created you, who created all of us. In that moment under that night sky, I saw a vision of the divine, a vision of God. Now, for Peter, James, and John, They'd been traveling with Jesus for months, maybe even years. I bet you they knew what he liked to eat, what he didn't. They knew what would piss him off. They knew what would make him smile. And that moment on the mountain, for the first time, they were able to see who he truly was like that night sky that had always been there and I couldn't see it, suddenly, for Peter, James, and John, they were able to see Jesus. Know who he was. Know who he is. The living son of God. An amazing experience of transfiguration. Now, you know the story. This story has a a certain place in Luke's gospel. It's actually smack, smack dab in the middle of the gospel. It's the fulcrum, the turning point of the entire narrative. Before the transfiguration, it's all about teaching and healing and preaching as they travel around, the countryside. And after the transfiguration, their face is to Jerusalem. It's about Pilate, the passion, the crucifixion, execution, the resurrection. Everything changes because of this moment in the story. This transfiguration, it leads to transformation. It's not just a moment to be put on the shelf. It's something that changed everything for the disciples, their entire reality that led them to the service and ultimately the sacrifice of the cross. I've come to believe that God gives us these moments of transfiguration throughout our lives. What has it been for you? The first time you held your grandchild? Maybe a moment in the woods? Lost in a Bach cantata? I know for many people it's, it's uh, on a certain camp on the edge of Lake Erie. <laughs> Where has it been for you this moment of transfiguration? God gives us these moments so that we can go back to them again and again and again throughout our lives, squeezing every little drop of meaning from them. And I also believe that they're given to us to change us, to transform us, to transform us into people who can love, who can serve, who can sacrifice in the way of this living God. These moments of transfiguration are to lead transformation the entire christian project is about this transformation the experience of god that leads us to be changed that leads you leads me to be changed to be transformed because that's where it begins the transformation of the world more peace, justice, it all begins with you, it begins with me, how our hearts are changed, our souls are changed. And so often, it's these moments of transfiguration that change us. So how have you experienced transfiguration in your own life? Where has it happened for you? And how is it changing you to serve to love, to sacrifice in the way of Jesus Christ. Amen.